Welcome to On Hold, the podcast with a mission to find and interview leaders with unique experiences and radically different ideas for driving customer-centric change. Hello and welcome to the On Hold podcast with me, Ben from Sentisum. And this week I'm joined by Kirsty, who runs our product team, for a chat with Alice Godfrey, the founder of Bluemic. While head of customer support at Zava, a fast-growing health technology startup, Alice led four teams servicing six countries, doubling the department size to guide Zava's quick growth. She left in-house customer support to start Bluemic, which helps fast-growing companies to grow their support teams quickly and efficiently through training and restructuring help while they're under pressure. We caught up with Alice to talk about the solutions to the three common challenges growing customer support teams go through, and we deep dive what we can learn from how customer support is done in complex environments like healthcare. My favorite part of today's episode was Alice's answer to the question, how can we make companies realize that customer support should be respected and used as one of the most beneficial channels of growth for the company? I'll save this surprise for later on in the episode, but part of the answer is that C-Suite should spend time each month in customer support to see firsthand how invaluable the insight is compared to the normal surveys that they're using for getting that customer voice to the rest of the company. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please come over to the Sentisum website to get a full transcript and our analysis and other blog posts surrounding this topic. Before we start, I have one really big favor to ask you, and that is to leave us a rating wherever you're listening to this interview so that we can get good feedback and also so that we can reach other people with this podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please let us know. If you didn't, please let us know. Hi, Alice. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So I thought it'd be great to start with just a quick fire round that we've been doing with everyone to get your sort of favorite things so we can get some tips and just to get to know you a little bit more. So the first question that we've been asking everyone is what company at the moment do you think is sort of smashing this customer experience, customer obsession thing and giving their customer everything they want from every aspect? I feel like my answer is probably what a lot of people will have said to you, but Bloom and Wild always spring to mind as being incredible with this. Not only if you read into how they developed their product, which was always with the customer, the, the forefront, there's a really flawless mobile experience there, but their marketing and their customer comms more than anything. I don't know if you remember, they were... They went viral on Mother's Day a few years ago because just before Mother's Day, they emailed everybody and said, look, we know this could be a sensitive topic for you. So if you don't want any of our Mother's Day marketing, just let us know. And that was incredible. Do you remember when they did that? And now they do it for everything, every sort of occasion that could have any potentially sensitive connections with people. They do that. And it's, it's just that sort of thing that's just really sort of inspirational. No, actually, I hadn't heard of that, but that is actually such a good idea. Yeah, and there's now it's this massive initiative where loads of other companies now do it. So yeah, they totally have led the way there. I, I've definitely ordered from Blue and Wild once, and I thought just being able to post it through the letterbox is good in itself. I use them a lot, and actually, they're really good to use as a tool for your customers. It's not a cheap one that you would use every day, but if something happens with a customer where they mention that maybe someone's passed away or they've had a really bad experience, it's a really good tool to use to send them some bloom and wildflowers because the whole experience is just so joyful for them that it really means a lot so i always turn to bloom wild number two then is there like a particular industry blog or like an influencer you like to follow on linkedin posting lots of good stuff yeah i don't read blogs if i'm honest i think that's not really my sort of format of what i would do but Mm. there is a person that i really follow her name's kerry bodine i think you say it bodine i've never said it out loud but she's always been at the forefront of customer experience she wrote a book 
I think it was 2012, it was quite a while ago, called Outside In. And it's really about putting the customers at the centre of everything. And it was written then, but it's still what I would consider to be like a really recommended read when you're trying to develop your skills in that area. She does a lot of stuff on YouTube. She has amazing resources on her website for free for, for people within sort of CS or CX leadership. And I actually just reached out to her on LinkedIn once who we ended up having a chat. You know, she's really accessible which is incredible. So I really like her. But what I would say I do more is spend more time listening to podcasts of just really inspirational people who are really good at what they do, regardless of what that is. So not specifically CS or CX. I don't know if you've heard of the high performance podcast that Jake from Sky Sports presents. I don't know his name, but each episode they speak to somebody who just completely excels in whatever they do. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be academics or business. I was listening to an episode with Michelle Moan, who founded Ultimo and she's just been through incredible times over the years really difficult challenges and just listening to the way that people like them tackle things I find to be really useful to actually motivate people within customer service which sounds like a big leap but stick with me when you're talking to advisors in customer service or team leaders you have to acknowledge that for a lot of them that's not actually their forever career they might just be taking calls for a couple of years to pay the rent but actually they're going to do something else so you want to motivate them to be the very best that they can be while you've got them and you need to inspire them as people not just as customer service people so it's no use just learning about customer service specific stuff I think you just need to learn how to inspire definitely what was that name again the high performance podcast yes yeah it's really People, yeah, we'll definitely be listening to that. Yeah, like those people have a, a, like a unique way of doing things very often that helps them be that high performing. And that's always great to yeah. learn. Yeah, definitely. And it's like such a creative way to, because I think we all get stuck in like boxes of, okay, I'm like in product or I'm in customer support and there are these ways to do well. But when you take, when you can learn from other areas, like this becomes a lot more creative way. Yeah, exactly. And I think they feel more valued as a person rather than just a, a sort of machine of customer service and you're not the first person to say that people often go into customer support and then like they didn't see it as their long-term career originally but then ended up in it for the long term our, our podcast guest last week was uh, a customer support lead at Revolut and had exactly the same experience of falling into it but is now leading customer support at a great startup I, I moved into London the rent was obviously sky high for anything I've ever experienced I needed a job and I got a job on the phones no one grows up thinking I want to work in customer service and that's because it's perceived and presented in society as not being skilled or important a lot of the time and that's something that needs to change people don't in like sort of career conversations at school no teachers are saying to you oh I think you'd be really great working in a call center because that's almost perceived as being offensive in some ways and that's I think mindset around customer service is just definitely something that I'm always working to change yeah I wonder why that is I wonder because I think a lot of people have negative customer experience when they're on the like support services of whatever company do you think that's part of why people have a bad view of it? Yeah, I suppose it's a cycle, isn't it? I think historically, the role has always been something that you need no qualifications or experience for. And then in the job, you're then trained and you become someone very skilled. And I think it's maybe changing that to saying, actually, no, there's there are some really high standards that are expected in this role, recruiting for those standards rather than just training them in the role. And so then as customers experience change and as customer service becomes more of an experience for people, then I think that mindset will change. 
Yeah, definitely. So what's your favorite part about working with customers in this kind of customer realm of the business? It's, a, it's an interesting question. I think for me, it keeps you grounded. You can't ever get away from the, the importance of what you do. And I think you probably can in other jobs or the crux of why you do what you do. You can't ever get away from it because if you're not doing your job well, you immediately see or hear the fallout of that. So whether that's me not having an efficient team so that the service crumbles or whether it's just as an advisor, you don't do very well in a call and you get a bad quality score. Like you see that very quickly. It's like a live changing, constantly moving machine that you have to pay attention to and nurture. It's almost, it's like a live being. And I think I, I like that about it. As soon as you let one thing go, everything can crumble, which is, sounds horrible, but it makes it exciting. Yeah, definitely. I think that must be like the benefit of really being like on the very close to the customer line is that you get instant feedback from them. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. I think Kirsty and product would like to have that kind of. Yeah, I was just thinking, oh, how long do I have to wait sometimes to get feedback on stuff? Yeah, you have to set up a call with a customer and not ask any kind of leading questions and be very careful about how you get that. I guess with, with more sort of B2C customers, it's a lot less tactical. It's more just people will tell you if they're really annoyed. Yeah, oh, exactly. And it might even just be that they don't tell you, but you get you learn to develop a success yeah. you get that vibe yeah. from customers and, and what's happening yeah definitely i think there's a lot of gut feeling to it unless you have really solid data analysis and insights platforms set up so i'd love to sort of jump into you and bloomick now so this is a new venture for you just started in january but it's been going so well so how did you get going and why did you set it up in the first place? I think one thing I've noticed working as sort of head of customer service or support over the years is that a lot of businesses, they go through really rapid growth or change and they find their customers contact more and then they realize their customer service team is struggling. And I, I started to realize that I, I think it's because when they're initially set up, the people that have set them up at the beginning, maybe the founder or the CEO, not really aware of the foundations that are absolutely essential within customer service. So it's not there. So then when the business just start to thrive, customer service can crumble. I thought, let's set something up that can provide that consulting to businesses to stop them compromising the quality of the service for speed of growth. And we do that differently to other consulting businesses because we do it on the ground level with the team. So I'm not working with senior management saying you need to do this and that. I'm working with the team leaders and the advisors and developing them and helping them improve. The best thing about it is obviously helping customers get the experience that they should be having. But also for me personally, helping the young or new sort of leaders within the team develop and creating environments where the, the team feel driven and motivated and looked after that's really amazing and that's a huge part of it for me and as a always come back to as a woman in leadership and as someone working within customer service like we've said it's often hugely undervalued it's really my mission with Bloomick to ensure that the teams I work with are left feeling valued by their business but also feeling equipped to bring that value in return to the business does that make sense so feeling valued and equipped to bring that value I think that's a great way of putting it so if we dig into the challenges that those companies face, like what are they that if you're going through that kind of high growth period and you're feeling overwhelmed, what is it that is the common challenges? Yeah, it, it does tend to be a lot of the same challenges. It, it depends. I would say there are three sort of 
common things. So the first one is training. So normally you at this point need to recruit normally potentially in bulk. So you might be saying we need to bring in 10 advisors as soon as possible and they need to be helping us within a week. They need to be ready to go within a week. And because previously they've probably just been bringing people on one at a time and just having them learn on the job side by side with an advisor that's been there for a while, they're not equipped to do that. So something that you have to do quite quickly is understand the service, develop some really effective training and also think about how that's delivered and who by so it might be someone in the team who is really good at that and you actually create a sort of role for them as a learning and development type person within the team so that's normally something that you definitely have to look at straight away yeah. so that you can bring those people on and then i think secondly really importantly is the leadership so whatever the structure is in the team whether there's a team leader or a manager or whatever it's normally in this environment it's normally someone who used to be an advisor has been promoted through mm. and they're fantastic at what they do and knowing what the advisors do but this growth brings with it some challenges that they've probably not encountered into this scale before so like performance management motivating a team through a really difficult time resource planning at a larger scale the advisors in that time are under so much pressure the Customers can be really angry because the service is a bit rubbish in that moment. There's mm. pressure from within the business and motivating them to keep going is a huge challenge. So developing those team leaders to become really fantastic people leaders is always essential. That must be so hard if you're just in one of the first one or two people in the customer support team and then suddenly you grow and you're part of the leading a team of 10. Yeah, and it happens all the time. It, 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 it was my route into management and I think it makes perfect sense because you want them to have a really good understanding of what the advisors do. So yeah, take your best advisor and push them through that if they want to develop. But customer service management is such a specific type of management, in my opinion. It's such a different beast to other people management. And so if the founder of the business maybe has put them in that role and supported them in many ways, but maybe not spoken to them specifically about motivating people who are just taking the same call every few minutes, all day, every day, that's a real specific challenge. Yeah. So supporting them in those sort of things is always needed. So what is that what you would say would make it specifically like a different management challenge is that, that the people are like doing something that's a bit repetitive? Yeah, that's one thing. It's also that very often the, the people that are doing the job ha don't have much autonomy. So that's compared to any other role that you can think of within your business, it's marketing, engineering or whatever, you have a level of autonomy about what you do. But normally as a customer service advisor, you're quite restricted in that way, whether it's about decisions that you can make. Sometimes even physically, you might be physically tethered to your desk by a headset and you can't even go to the toilet unless you've checked that there's someone else there to answer calls if you go to the toilet. Things like that have such a huge impact on how people feel throughout the day. And that's something that if you're managing a person in a marketing team, you don't have to deal with. But if you're managing in a call center, you do need to deal with. Advisor well-being is just a huge part of it. That's interesting because I definitely have felt that autonomy is like very much linked to how, I don't know, mentally healthy I feel. And also if you think about the fact that, yes, they're having a lot of similar conversations all day, every day, which can be quite boring, but also not everybody's a nice person that they're speaking to, or maybe they're just really unhappy. And the toll that is taken from dealing with that quite a lot, or even if everybody that you speak to is nice, when you have a day and your calendar's full of meetings all day, you're exhausted after talking all day. If that was your job all day, every day, it takes a different kind of toll on you. All those like little micro aggressions and, and you're still having to solve a problem for people, even 
even if they're being nice. I think that's such an important point about the autonomy because even how you answer, how you answer and solve a problem, that can be heavily scripted as well. Yeah. And if you're the sort of person who, and you, you hope they are in a way because it's high empathy, but if you're the sort of person that really takes it upon yourself, if someone's looking to you to solve a problem and you try really hard to solve that problem, but you can't, whether it's because of something to do with tech or I don't know anything, it, it can really weigh on you no matter how nice the person is, if you say, look, I'm really sorry, but I just can't fix this for you right now or ever, that can really be difficult for people. I have a definite new empathy for the people on the other side of the phone, which I guess I should have had already, but... Like, why would you? If you haven't done it, it's really difficult to understand. I think it's one of those things you don't really think about just as a customer rather than in customer support. For you, it's just one interaction, but for them, you may be their hundredth one of the day and you sort of forget that you aren't as unique to them as they are to you that makes sense yeah totally and you have to train them to make the customer feel that it's as unique you know, to them as it is to you as it is to them and that can be something as small as like how you answer the phone not sounding oh like how can i help you because i'm bored of it and it's simple to say to someone don't sound bored when you answer the phone but in reality to help them to deliver that when it is their 50th call of the day and to help understand why they might sound that way or why they might feel that way or how they can stop themselves feeling that way whether it's I don't know taking a better break or talking to someone whatever it is it's real sort of people skills and almost psychology and that's why I think really contact center team leaders are really undervalued because they're probably dealing with 15 people maybe more and each person requires so much sort of psychological support in a way and it's really difficult and interesting and I think they make the best managers in the long run people that have dealt with that. Do you see quite a high employee churn as a result of these problems? Yeah but I would expect it to be and I often say that I want it to be because if if you're really it does depend on the role obviously and it depends on the development within the team but if you're working on the phones or just tickets and emails all day you can be the best person at the job but I think after maybe two years of doing it maybe even a year it takes a real type of person to be giving that same standard of service two years down the line that they were beginning but that they were giving at the beginning I just I wouldn't expect it I would want them to either develop through the team and through the company or to move on I think it's important to have fresh people in the team I think that's such a good way to look at it from a hiring perspective you could have a role that for the first year or two you can be highly motivated but then if you find the right people who are highly motivated they will probably want to do something else in that third year and you have to properly select those people so it's a good long-term view to have really what was i think we got to the second three yes so it was leadership were number one and two and i think the third issue is really it's a boring one really but it's just sort of policies i would call it in sort of summary because often the contact center wasn't set up in a sort of proper customer service way i think the business started the phone that was in the office started ringing they got one person to answer it then there was more calls they got more people to answer it and it just grew like that they don't have the specific sort of policies in place that you need so there might be a business-wide probation policy for example if you a customer service probation policy needs to be completely different it needs to be really specific to the work it probably needs to be way more target driven more hands-on more regularly checked more it rather if you were bringing someone into engineering i was speaking to a friend of mine who's an engineering manager and she leaves them for three months with basically no sort of input because she wants them to find themselves and to get to know the business and to really understand what they want to bring to it 
that wouldn't work with a customer service advisor. So things like that need to be specific to customer service. And then things like complaints policies, performance management, KPIs, those sort of things are normally not in place at the time where I would go in to a business to help them. Yeah, I, I guess the important thing here is if they're not in place, they're not being tracked. So you don't even know if you're doing well. That's exactly the point. So it's not there to monitor and be this horrible sort of big brother thing over the advisors. It's it, They often really appreciate it once it's implemented, like you say, because they want to see how they're progressing or they want to see, they want to see something they can aim for. Everyone wants to know how they're getting on. That's a really good point. On that note, I think it would be great to sort of see how some of these things have played out before for you in your experience as a customer support leader in, in the companies that you've worked for. For example, Zava is you know one, a, a really big UK health tech startup, uh, and you were head of customer support there for a while. What is it about that kind of environment, healthcare, that you think is really unique and challenging? How is it different to have patients on the other end of the line while working with the customer? Well. The way I describe everything is heightened, everything. There's not a single thing that you could think of that wouldn't be heightened when you're dealing with patients instead of customers. For the customer, for the patient, it's probably more important than other things. It might even be vital. It might even be if I don't get this service or this product, it's like life-threatening. That brings with it, obviously, anxiety. It means that complaints come from a different place emotionally it's not just like i've paid money for this and so i deserve it it's no i need this so complaints come from a different place i think for the advisors everything expected of them is not more important but it's just heightened it's empathy is heightened their attention to detail needs to be so much more just exact and then on the flip side of things their well-being to come back to that they're exposed often to very difficult things it might be with echo who i've worked with recently they're dispensing all nhs medication and a huge amount of that is to do with mental health so they might be speaking to patients who are really struggling and it's a very difficult conversation to have or with zava a huge amount of what they're doing is to do with erectile dysfunction and they might be having a conversation with someone who might say things that they don't want to hear there's a whole advisor sort of well-being side i think that is brought in it's a good point having that it's not just the patients are having a harder time but the advisors have to deal with a lot yeah yeah and i think for the business as well everything again it's heightened errors can be so much more significant patients are very quick rightly so to go to the cqc or the gphc if something's gone wrong because it's so important and so it means that complaints regulators data protection everything is just so much more heightened so that if something does happen the conversations that the advisor or the team leader or the the head of cs or whatever are having with maybe the coo or something are so extreme and i think these these team leaders that we've talked about as being maybe young or new or relatively inexperienced are talking about a complaint that's potentially to do with something maybe life-threatening or I don't know, like an unwanted pregnancy or something that's at the fault of a business. It's huge. So yeah, it's just everything is just, it just means a lot more. I can imagine like the severity of the of the problems that they're calling you about. It must make it a really challenging environment for every agent, actually. Do you need to equip them with like extra certifications for like, I don't know, do they give health advice or that kind of thing? That's No, that's a huge challenge you could as a business make the decision that our customer service team because we're healthcare are all going to be healthcare professionals so maybe they have a certain qualification they've worked previously within healthcare or something but in my experience that's not 
been the case. They are specifically not healthcare trained. So you really have to find that balance. When you get a call from a patient, you have to really carefully train the advisors to say, I can, I'm going to talk to you about what's happening with this medication that we're delivering to you. But if they ask a question about, is this medication appropriate for me? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to say, look, I'm not medically trained, which can sometimes bring a negative response from a customer. Make sure you've equipped the advisors with the right route to maybe transfer that call to a pharmacist or a doctor or to put them on hold and speak to a doctor. But normally there is no health care training within the team. Do you think there should be? Like, it sounds like there's a bit of a gap right now because there are these growing healthcare startups and yeah, people are still figuring out how to do it. So do you think there should be training? I think there's so many complications there because just think about the recruitment of it. People that have through that medical training for those years, do they really do that to come out of it to then work on the phones in a digital sort of tech company, health company? Is that what they want? Probably not. So it's quite difficult to find. And then you've got to think about the salary for those people and whether that works compared to a normal sort of customer service one. And then just because they're medically trained, do they have the customer service skills? So it's it's trying to find that balance between the two. And I think in my experience, what works best is having both people working well together and having the tools to communicate really effectively. So like at Zava, there was a team of doctors that were very close on hand, the customer service team. And with Echo, there's pharmacists within the customer service team that the advisors can turn to. And would that be done mid-call? Yeah, absolutely. If you need to escalate something, it's just like escalating anything, really. It might be that they say it's it's not vitally urgent and they might say, do you know what, I'm going to go away and just find out that information for you and I'll come back to you and I'll come back and maybe quote a pharmacist or a pharmacist will take over the email chain, for example. Yeah, in a call, if there is a really distressed patient or if there's a patient who, you know, something that's always come up, not very often, thankfully, but something that does come up is patients talking about suicidal thoughts and you have to have the avenue there for the advisor to pass that on because that needs to be with a medical professional so the advisor needs to be trained well enough to handle it in the moment and display the appropriate say the right things and look after the person in that moment but then pass them on so you do have to have that sort of immediate escalation process available to them and then following that you need to have the support for the advisor that's just dealt with that call because that's really horrible that's that's a huge thing that definitely always comes up because I think patients often and this is something that needs to really be addressed across all digital health is we think wherever we're getting our healthcare from no matter what channel it's going through that we can have bedside care sort of service and why shouldn't we if we're speaking to what is a healthcare provider if we're feeling that way we should be able to say it and when your digital operation and you need to be able to respond to that in the same way that you would if someone came into a GP surgery and said it. Wow, that's actually such a complex challenge, especially in a startup environment where the employees might be new and not yet fully trained. Yeah, exactly. And it could be your first week on the job. It could be the first call yeah. you've ever taken. And that's why the recruitment is so important for the right people. If you've naturally got some form of empathy and if you're naturally someone that's comfortable talking to people then you'd probably be able to navigate that conversation enough while you're trying to find someone to escalate it to. How does this challenge translate into recruitment when you have such a complex 
problem and you need specific types of people what are you looking for it really is that sort of gut feel in terms of are they a nice person what's their motivation for this i never ever expect someone to come in and say i want to work in customer service because i want to work in customer service they probably just want to pay some bills initially and that's fine but if they can appreciate the importance of what the business is doing and that doesn't need to be healthcare anything at all but if they can understand that the person they're speaking to is calling because they've got some sort of problem and they just need to be a nice person and empathize with that and not be selfish or anything like that then that's what you're trying to pull out in the recruitment so i think i probably spend more time talking to people in recruitment than you would for i don't know a customer service recruitment to a massive corporation mm-hmm. that's really established i think because you it's, it's really just about getting to know them as a person when you come to a startup that's in one of these complex environments and is going through this kind of rapid growth stage what are the first things that you try to teach and to bring to the team so just to go back to the training really because not only is it a a stressful thing to deal with for them it's it's often really complicated there's a reason you have years and years of medical training for anything that you want to do whether it's a healthcare assistant pharmacist doctor whatever so they're a new person into the team is learning not only how to use the system or understand things within the business they also need to be able to talk about things that are quite complicated even saying the name of a certain or any medication they're all difficult to say just saying the name of a medication because if you've got a customer on the phone who is angry because their medication hasn't arrived and they're a bit stressed the last thing you want to be doing is fumbling over the word of their medication because they just think you don't know what you're talking about so i think there's a fine line you train them to be a medical professional but you need to train them enough for them to understand the periphery of things so you upskill them in all the areas that yeah yeah finding that balance between sort of customer service and healthcare professional is really difficult and i think the other thing is the fact that healthcare is similar to finance it's really highly regulated so if you're bringing someone who's a really experienced customer service advisor but they've maybe worked in like retail and you think they've got fantastic people skills they're a fantastic communicator but you need to get them up to speed on what it means to be in such a regulated environment so would you say that they're more free to say what they want in retail but much less in healthcare (laughs) maybe shouldn't say it because i've not really worked there but you are definitely restricted within healthcare because you can't just say do you know what yeah that was really rubbish i'm just going to give you a big refund you can't necessarily say that you might be able to in some situations but you can't you're really restricted when it comes to the fun customer experience side of things so in a lot of call centers now they will be a lot more they'll have a lot more autonomy a bit like prep where you can get a free coffee that like every person every worker has a sort of budget i think where they can give out free things throughout the day mm-hmm. and a lot of sort of customer service teams are now adapt adopting that which is great but within healthcare we can do that we can give our advisors autonomy to i don't know give free delivery or something when they think we've made a mistake but you have to really make sure that they understand when it's appropriate and when it's not and you can't make it look as if you know we're admitting faults in some cases because it might then if if that was to be taken further to a sort of cqc a care quality commission complaint it's almost like more than admitting fault it's potentially admitting harm to a patient so you just have it does really restrict you when it comes for the team leaders dealing with complaints you where you might normally just be able to give the customer something or give them a free something or a discount code to calm them down again you can do those things but it just has to be a lot more carefully thought about. When is it, when do you give, because I love it when prep people give you free stuff. Like, it, I think it's happened to be one. I love it. It's <laughs> happened to be a few times then. I go to, I did go to prep all the time. So, <laughs> I love yeah. prep. 
this prep. Yeah. It always feels like they're flirting with me if they've, if they've done it to me. Yeah, it's probably like totally random, but I'm like, oh yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I must look real good today. Yeah, I literally always walk away wondering what I did right and what I can do again next time. It means it's a great initiative because we'll go back to prep to feel like that. It's genius. We need to get the head of customer experience from Pret on this podcast for sure. What in your experience is the the times that have led to you giving people uh, a perk or uh, a sort of present to say sorry? Like what is it that's instigated that? I personally would try not to give a gift if it's in response to something that we've done wrong or a mistake that we've made. I would want to rectify that appropriately and if if you can reimburse or, or replace the product or whatever then yeah great but I think what means more is when you've actively listened so I would always encourage advisors to actively listen if during a phone call someone in passing says it's my birthday or it says or they say someone has died or someone's having a baby things like that if you can actively pick up on them and then as a surprise send a little card from the business or a bunch of flowers or whatever it may be that just say we were sorry to hear about your your father passing away or are we hope you enjoy your birthday here's a little something things like that mean so much more to people because rectifying a complaint or replacing a product that's expected that's like almost the bare minimum of what you should be doing it's about going further than that that's true i think i would potentially be more annoyed that you've messed up really bad and then you gave me a five pound coffee voucher yeah it would feel like such an insult like yeah. when you surprise people with that five pound coffee card then it's like oh yeah thank you exactly yes i think i've mentioned before about the business called hug which is like hug with three g's i think and it's an app that you can use to send little gifts to people like that and it could just be a coffee and it goes to them as a sort of it's called like a code on their phone that they just scan in the shop and you've paid for their coffee for them and things like that if you can implement that within your team that's a really good thing that you can give advisors autonomy on because it's restricted it's just a yeah they're not going to be able to send 50 pounds of something and it's not going to cause offense so that's things like that if you can give the advisors that it really helps them feel motivated as well throughout the day because a lot of the time in customer service you're just fixing problems and everything's quite negative and I think bringing some joy to their day if they can give things and you always get a response when you send a surprise or thoughtful thing to a customer you always get a response that says wow thank you don't know how much that means to me and that thank you for the advisor is gonna motivate them yeah yeah that would definitely make me feel much happier in my job if you get to give free stuff and people love it also i'm thinking like unethical life tip just to mention it's your birthday on every customer support call That's like when people pretend to get engaged in restaurants. I think it'd be so funny to do it to your friend at a restaurant, just pretend it's their birthday and then get <laughs> a cake to come. <laughs> so just coming back to healthcare a little bit, like I'm really keen to know what other customer support professionals can take away from the way that you've worked in healthcare environments previously. I think it's such a unique and challenging environment, but what is it that we can take away as a best practice for less challenging environments? In terms of sort of soft skills and empathy and all that, I actually don't, I wouldn't say that they could learn because we we could say on paper healthcare is more important, but every customer's needs, regardless of what they're buying, is more important. If someone phones you and says, I ordered this dress for my birthday party and it didn't arrive on time, you're not going to be like, calm down. It's, it's not medication. <laughs> you're not going to say that. So I think in that respect, empathy is just a skill that's vital across all customer service. But I think where they maybe could learn would be 
in the sort of meticulous nature that we have to deal with escalations and complaints and logging and learning from that because of the regulations. You have to just be so meticulous with all of those things so that if the CQC do say we're investigating you because of how you dealt with that patient there, you've got everything that you need to present to them. So that's something that we always have to spend a lot of time on, not just developing the process so we don't miss anything from the advisor level and making sure across the business it goes to the right people so you would normally have to have a well I think you do everywhere a superintendent pharmacist when there's a pharmacy involvement who would be the person that CQC would be going to they need to be fully aware of the details and all the details of every complaint this would be not just what the complaint is but what the advisor said where the advisor went for assistance what assistance was given what actions were taken everything nothing can be missed because you're putting yourself at risk if it is so I'd, I'd say that's probably an area where we're more meticulous than other areas and it's not necessarily something like a retail customer support team needs right they have to have a complaints process it would be silly not to but i just don't think it would be as stringent as it would have to be in healthcare but i think that it's probably more challenging in many ways outside of healthcare because if the advisor is talking about some clothes that have been sold and they're being shouted at by someone it's probably you're probably sitting there thinking why are you shouting at me because this is not that important and you have to bypass that and then act as if it is really important and solve that problem and that's probably harder to train and to motivate people because in healthcare, not many people are going to say, well, I don't care about this person's health. Because yeah. so I would probably say from a call center sort of manager and leader perspective, that's probably more challenging in many ways. And I, I see that when I think it's very difficult once someone works within healthcare customer service I don't see them then going into non-healthcare customer service very often because it's difficult to make that transition from something that you deem to be really important to then talking about something that you don't deem to be important but a customer shouting at you about it so I think there's huge challenges on both sides that are just completely different maybe people in retail like actually need higher levels of empathy because actually it doesn't matter when a dress is sent to you but you need to be like super empathetic I think it's a real skill and I'm not not sure that I I would be able to do that sort of segues into my last question for you which is really about this concept of customer support being undervalued and you've talked about it a little bit before, just about how you fell into it and how it's generally like not seen as a career path. How can we get companies to think of support as not a cost and not an annoying kind of operational part of the business, but something that is a really beneficial channel to deliver great customer experience? I think it's seen as an abstract thing to the people who need to see it. So to the, the founders, the senior management, I think customer service is a bit like HR. It's just like this abstract concept that they know they need to have, but they don't necessarily know too much about. And I think what you're asking is the million dollar question, really. And I think it's different everywhere. But for me, it's I would say the answer is the mindset of the right people. The people making the decisions need to understand that the customer service, the customer support is the only pure route to what's actually going on with your customer. It's far better than any customer survey or research you could do. The insight from the advisors is completely invaluable. And like you said earlier, getting that customer voice to product and marketing, I think the value of that outweighs the cost of having the team and if you can then do it well with the team they can be a huge part of the retention journey significantly reduce customer churn grow revenue so i think 
it's flipping that mindset from the fact that it's an annoyance and it's actually really valuable. And I try to do that in really simple ways. Just so, for example, I would say every week at the same time for two hours. So let's say every Tuesday, two o'clock till four o'clock, I'll make a Google Hangout that one of the advisors will just sit in and they'll just take calls and deal with everything as normal, but they'll be in this Google Hangout and I'll encourage anyone across the business to join that on a weekly basis. Just mute themselves, just join and just watch. Because if the advisor shares their screen and they take the call without headphones, then the person in engineering or something can sit and watch how the advisor is using the tool, listen to what the patient is saying. And it's all secure. Everyone in the business is the same sort of data protection concerns and all that. So it's all completely secure, but it means that people in product or whatever can see firsthand and see it straight away. And it shows the advisors that people are listening to them and people are respecting what they do and seeing that it's not that easy. Take it further than that. I would really like to see a business where the sort of C-suite level people are taking calls regularly once a month, get on the phones for an hour, speak to the customers. Why not? And I, I also, I've been, so at Zava, they um, really encourage that every single new starter goes through customer service as part of their onboarding That's and cool. listens to calls for yeah. a few hours. That's one of the first things that we would do or like whenever, when anyone has joined Sentisum since I have, it's we want to get to know the customer as much as possible. If we could sit on a call or interact with them, it would be amazing. Yeah. And I think coming back to it as well, because if you do that in your, one thing I have found is that if you do that in your first week of onboarding, you know what the first week of any job's like, you forget everything that anyone told you a mm. month later, because you were just so focused on, oh my God, I've got so much to learn and I don't understand anything. And so it's very, it's good to do that at the beginning. Yeah. But I think it's good to come back to it regularly. If I was head of engineering or head of marketing, I would really encourage my team to spend an hour a month doing that. And it, I think the value that brings really outweighs the fact that you're taking it away from their day-to-day -day work for an hour a month. And they're the people that I will always try and target when I'm with businesses. I'm really trying to target those heads up to get their mindset to that place as well. Because without them on board, then you're not going to be able to convince these tech people that are really interested to come and sit on the phones and listen. I think it's actually a really good point to just be able to present the customer support team's value in terms that really resonate with other departments in your company, like talking about how they impact, how you impact churn, how you impact customer experience, how you create loyalty, how you uh, help renewals and how you help retention and that kind of thing. Like those can be really convincing from a marketer's perspective or a CEO's perspective for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's just what you were saying about prep, isn't it? How it makes you feel and you want to go back. It's, it's exactly the same. I think this has been really interesting, actually, like learning about the, there's so many little things I didn't know about how difficult healthcare support is. Like now I'm like, I want to actually start using one of those services <laughs> because you understand what's going behind it now. So yeah, it's, I think it's been really interesting. Yeah, I completely agree, Kirsty. I think everyone listening would have got a lot of value as well. So thank you so much, Alice, for coming on. Oh, I hope so. Thanks for having me.